heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, CBP, Homeland Security, the NSA, National Security Agency, and so many more. It is the weaponization of the bureaucratic state uh, that really has put the United States Constitution and our freedoms in the crosshairs of a totalitarian regime. Uh, And friends, uh, the warning signs have been there. Uh, You may have thought this was uh, sort of like a slow creep and basically paused your fears. And I know a lot of people have done that uh, in that future generations would handle the problem, but not so much anymore. The police state now threatens every zip code in America and we can feel it. And both the left and the right can surely feel this. It just depends who wants to admit it or not. Welcome into the voice of the nation. It is Malcolm out loud here. Dinesh D'Souza captures the threat and probably your worst fears in this new film entitled Police State. And uh, Dinesh has done a series of these amazing films, and they're typically pretty timely. Uh, You remember 2016, Obama's America, America, imagine a world without her. Uh, 2,000 mules, of course, with the election was was significant. And here we are now, a police state. Uh, Dinesh, welcome to the broadcast. And let's go right there with the fact of your timing always is very interesting when you do these films. What what really was the driving force, the impetus right now in your soul that this film was needed? You know, we begin these films um, many months uh, ahead of time, and I find it almost impossible to predict where things are going to be. So I, I sort of dig within myself and I think about what is the big question that is bothering me? And I came to this country a generation ago as a teenager. And I remember being very excited about America, not just because of the opportunity, the social mobility, but also because of the uh, basic rights in the Bill of Rights, rights that are not supposed to be uh, subject to political negotiation. In other words, they're unalienable rights, mm-hmm. a right to free speech, right to conscience, right to assemble and petition the government for redress a right to equal justice under the law, all those things. And I realized that as I look around, these rights, not just one or two of them, all of them are now in jeopardy. Not one of them is completely secure. And so I thought, wow, this is, we are now beginning to see the same characteristics that we see in police states around the world showing their ugly face in the United States. And that was the impetus for making this film. It couldn't be more timely because it ties into everything going on but I wasn't able to predict that uh, when I launched this project many months ago. Well, your timing is always uh, pretty impeccable. Now, this movie, uh, the trailer opens up with Joe Biden on there. And we about everybody has seen uh, these words when he uttered them. He said, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic. And in fact, as I always reference to listeners, Dinesh, he always calls them MAGA Republicans. They always put that emphasis on the voice, of course. 
him and, and his cabal. They do it routinely. It was part of their campaign uh, to drive fear into Americans about people on the right that they're calling radical extremists, people who love the Constitution, trying to protect it, have become the enemy, clearly. You ask a very significant question in here, and it's profound. How did we give the state this kind of power? And we know after 9-11, we know the Patriot Act. We see what happened with COVID. These were monumental moments in our history that really allowed the left to capitalize on this famous quote, right? Never let a crisis go to waste. So how how did we, what, what are the, what's the nuances to that question? How did we give the state this kind of power? Why did we do this? Well, ironically, the the origin of the police state was kind of a bipartisan project and in some ways was even driven by Republicans because after 9-11, there was a wave of fear and many people, I regret to say me included, sort of bought into it. And we were like, all right, you know, we got to give the government these new surveillance powers. We, not, we need to take some of the old distinctions uh, between, for example, investigations and intelligence on the one hand and criminal prosecution on the other and collapse them. And, and so what happened was the there was a massive expansion of government power. I mean, think about it. We got the whole Department of Homeland Security, which, by the way, is like 10 times bigger than the FBI. And uh, so all of this apparatus was created. Now, of course, with the intention of going after foreign terrorists, little did we know and bitter irony it is that this same apparatus was then later maliciously under Obama and now under Biden turned against Republicans and conservatives and patriots and Christians. So isn't isn't it ironic that the very people who helped to confer this kind of power on the government are now being treated themselves as if they were an extension of al-Qaeda and ISIS? Yeah, well, the term became domestic terrorism. And that term, uh, when I first started hearing it, and they use it quite a bit, uh, but it started... I remember going after, they were going after the IRS, Lois Lerner, and going after conservatives. I mean, it started sort of there, and the evidence was very, very clear. But then it became more profound as it went on. But now this term, really, domestic terrorism, you're right. It was no longer the jihadists. It was no longer, you know, foreign adversaries. But it was people at our own school boards and things of that nature that became the threat. That's the telltale sign here, isn't it? Yeah, we, we show in the film that the Department of Homeland Security, which is, by the way, very involved, more so than even the FBI, in uh, censorship. It's very involved in political targeting. They developed, through one of their consulting groups, a, a kind of pyramid. It's a pyramid of radicalization. It's got all the kind of the violent groups at the top. But as you go further down, you see all the mainstream conservative groups listed, Prager University, Breitbart, you know, Turning Point USA. And the idea of the whole uh, project is that presumably people become mainstream conservatives and then step by step, they become radicalized into domestic terrorists. So what was happened with Christopher Ray and the other uh, heads of the police agencies is they have allied the word domestic terrorism to domestic extremism. Domestic extremism means you have so-called extreme views, extreme views, of course, from their point of view, and they supposedly can lead to further radicalization. So this is the way in which they sweep in, I would say, just about half the country and label us as potential domestic terrorists. It's just downright horrifying. Well, the extreme word you use there, I mean, these really the people you just pointed out to have the country. I mean, don't all these people fall into something called like America first? Isn't that the group here we're talking about? 
It is. And uh, but, you know, the I mean, take somebody like me. I am, uh, uh, you know, I am, I suppose I have part of the MAGA spirit, but I'm a very mainstream Republican. My history goes back to the Reagan White House and think tanks like the um, uh, American Enterprise Institute and the Hoover Institution at Stanford have written a bunch of books. So they just take a broad category and lump a ton of people into it. And really their their goal is dehumanization. When Hillary Clinton said recently that the MAGA people are a cult who need to be uh, deprogrammed, I don't think this was just like reckless exaggeration. Uh, it reminded me of Waco, where when there was that terrible burning of buildings, um, people being roasted alive, families destroyed, a lot of Americans were a little indifferent. Some even cheered. Why? Because they're like, oh, those are kooks. Those are freaks. Those are cult members. Who knows what they were doing over there? So the, the idea of calling people um, cult members is to dehumanize them. And dehumanization, we know historically, is often a prelude to incarceration and, of course, in the extreme Nazi case, extermination. Wow. Newsweek uh, describes uh, the movie, the police state, this way. They say it's uh, typically defined as a totalitarian regime controlled by a political force. This movie is especially critical of law enforcement agencies like the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Transportation Security Agency, all of which are supposed to be nonpartisan, though the film alleges they are often used as political tools, mostly by the left to bludgeon the right. That's a theme we, we've been seeing more and more in the daily news, these sort of agencies that are targeting specific people. You know, Dinesh, part of, I think, the reality of this and the evidence is that I don't recall any headlines or news stories where they're targeting people on the left. I'm just not seeing it. I mean, if it was a balanced sort of thing, maybe we could unite as people. But there's a that's the problem I'm seeing. There's a divide mechanism in this country uh, that is left versus right, the ideology but the media propagates all this, but it really is a one-sided affair. And we can't seem to convince our friends on the left, which a lot of the times are our family, friends, people, associates we know. We can't seem to convince them this is happening in real time. What, what does it take for that wake-up call is, is what I wonder. Well, you know, the idea, first of all, that the police agencies are targeting the right is not some allegation in the movie. I mean, Christopher Ray says that when he testifies before Congress. He's like, we have classified domestic terrorism, domestic extremism as the number one threat facing the country. And he's quite clearly pointing his finger at the MAGA Republicans. Now, it is true that there are some people on the left who say, Dinesh, you know, the police state, yeah, right. Well, you know, Donald Trump is uh, an authoritarian and he is running the police state. Well, you can you can test that idea by asking a simple question, and that is we've got all these police agencies of government. They include the CIA, uh, the FBI. Uh, they include the um, they include the TSA. They include the Department of Homeland Security, DHS. So here's the question: Is Trump running those agencies? No. In fact, he's running away from them. They're chasing him. They're trying to get him. So obviously, Trump is not running the police state. Somebody else is. Somebody who is anti-Trump. Uh, and, and then who are these police agencies protecting? Who are they covering for? Uh, if you ask for information on Biden bribery, they won't give it to you. Why? Because clearly Biden's their guy. They look at themselves as a kind of consigliere for a Biden mafia operation. So I think this helps to understand what's going on. Now, interestingly, with the left, 
they only seem to become sensitive to rights when their rights are taken away. Mm-hmm. You might remember when Elon Musk banned, what, three or four of them on Twitter for one day. And those same people were then like, free speech. What about our free speech? You know, quoting John Stuart Mill and so on. So these are people on the left happy to censor millions of their fellow Americans. But the moment their free, free speech rights get called into question, they start demanding them. Yeah, boy, that is perfectly said. And your point, uh, I think, needs to resonate with folks about these agencies that are running after Trump. That is a really big point for those people that are uh, talking about Trump and who or what he is. The problem, I think, some of this, Dinesh, is when Trump got in there and he threatened, as you, which I think he even addressed in the film about draining the swamp, which is famous words coming down that escalator. Uh, he left a lot of those people in play. He really he was a novice in Washington, not been there before. And even Christopher Ray and James Comey, these are people he put in charge of these environments, not really understanding the fabric of what was going on. This really added to his downfall, I believe, because, uh, you know, we never did get a clean sweep there. And all of those people in what I call the bureaucratic state. I think a lot of those bad seeds have been planted there, frankly, Dinesh, for many years. And I'll tell you further that I think over the eight years of Barack Obama, surely from 2008, 2009, when he took office to 2016, uh, before Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump election, uh, there was a lot of damage done to the bureaucratic state in this country and people that were planted throughout that, which is why Trump had the problems he had with all the leaks and all the issues and stuff. But but Trump never did really drain the swamp, Dinesh. I know this is critical. Uh, people find this very critical, but you got to speak the truth as it is. He put some of those people in charge. Did he? Is that was that done from just uh, being ignorant of the facts? You think, or I mean, that doesn't. Uh, this well, is a problem for me. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I think that Trump came in from the outside, and and while many people habitually say. It's wonderful to have someone from the outside. He's a business guy. He's not a government guy. The downside of being a business guy is you don't understand the nature of bureaucracy. You don't know where the bad guys are strategically placed. And so you can't go in like a political sniper and like take them out, put them on the street, you know, get rid of them. And so what happens is Trump came in. And I don't think he fully estimated, I think he does now, but at the time, the depth of the corruption. And in fairness, look, a lot of us didn't because, you know, even when COVID came along, uh, my first reaction was, yeah, I'm going to take the vaccine because, look, I mean, I don't trust uh, some of the political instruments of the government, but I certainly trust the health authorities. They've been talking about vaccinations for decades. They provide all kinds of information on health. And so the idea that the people in the white coats, the hospitals, the hospital administrators, the CDC could not be trusted, this seemed like a little far-fetched. Now, over time, we realized that they were lying to us. They, when they, they were giving the idea that if you took the vaccine, A, you couldn't get COVID. B, you couldn't give it to somebody else. And then they dug in on those lies and they were censoring people who actually questioned their lies. So I think what's happened is that we now come to see the extent of the corruption of these supposedly neutral institutions of government, the FBI, the, uh, the DHS included, And I think we have a different view of them now than we did even in Trump's first term. And and Trump, I think, is in the same boat. 
Yeah, I, I, I love your analysis there. And I think you're spot on, frankly, and we need to call it what it is. Uh, and I, I totally accept that. And I do agree that uh, I, I think as the lights came on and we seen what was happening up there and Trump as well, we all seen it in real time. And then it became rather obvious. But so I think that should put that to rest as we're talking here now for those. And I hear the critics all the time in my ears talking about the people that he surrounded him with. That's why I asked the question and pose it out there. But, you know, Dinesh, if we don't talk about these difficult things and we don't provide the analysis on both sides of that conversation, we're never going to convince a damn soul if we come into these conversations as an ideologue, thinking that the, somebody walks on water and they have, you know, uh, no issues. I mean, we all learn as we go here. Um, part of the bigger problem uh, is that I've seen, and, I, and I'd like you to speak about this just real briefly, but he, here's what i seen early on with Trump. Now, first of all, I think Trump's policies were incredible. I absolutely supported that, and uh, my listeners know I have no qualms about that. I support the man and would absolutely support him again, frankly. Um, however, early on in his administration, Dinesh, when he started to inflame the left with uh, his... Um, his uh, his words and he would put him out there and I and I this was about a year and a half two years in and I I said I remember telling people in my studio and stuff you know God I wish I could coach him being a PR guy I said if I could just have some time to 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 you know coach him and, and give him some advice uh, privately I could help him out because he's 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 in, he's doing what Sun Tzu never says he's inflaming the enemy and they're going to come after him a hundredfold. Well, surely I was right, sadly. And that's where I think this bureaucratic state and the rest are so inflamed against Trump because, you know, he he uh, he piled on and they weren't going to accept it. He's not uh, uh, certainly he's not a politically correct guy. And that's not that you could ever be and drain a swamp. I get that, Dinesh. But when you consider Ronald Reagan, who you know very well, uh, and, you know, as a statesman, Trump lacks that ability to be statesmen at a time when we need that. Is that a fair assessment, yes or no? Yes, I think that there is a time for hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, there is, a, by that I mean, obviously, politically, there is a time to call people names, and there is also a time to reach across the aisle. And um, so I think that having the um, judgment to know which is which is really important. Uh, I've said this publicly on my podcast, for example, that Trump has sometimes made the mistake of strafing, which is to say attacking fellow Republicans uh, in a primary or even in a in a, a normal course of things. And, and he does it in such a way that they never forget it. They have they're wounded and they never recover. So take a guy like Marco Rubio, who I don't think is a bad guy, but Trump insulted him during the uh, primaries. Um, and as a result, Rubio has never really been, um, he, he, in a sense, I think almost privately wishes that Trump will go down. So he's nursed a grievance and kind of been licking his wounds for years. Um, now, Trump said some very negative things about Ted Cruz. I think, amazingly, Ted Cruz has gotten over it, is able to work with Trump, did work with Trump when Trump was in the White House. And so I do not think that some of these things are politically prudent. I think that it's important to know 
I mean, I like the fact that Trump was willing to challenge the media head on, because sometimes I think that is the only way. The media pretends like they're a neutral filter and they're not. And sometimes it's good to call them out. You're in a rally. You're like, hey, guess who's over here? The media. And guess what? They don't want to show the size of the crowd. So I approve of some of those types of tactics. But other times I shake my head and go, eh. Even though I, I like to be on the front line and I actually sometimes like to throw a political grenade myself, uh, I wouldn't have done that one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You 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 continue to uh, you uh, really respect and so appreciate your honesty because not everybody would have the conversation you just had. It continues to renew uh, and people should hear this. Your your, your uh, our faith and your in your approach here, Dinesh. Uh, very, very important. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and your analysis there is perfect, including remember little Jeb, that sort of thing. Because when you make the attacks personal, you're exactly right. People, uh, they never forget because you, you, you've, uh, you've gone after them in a very personal way rather than a professional or political way. That's a different animal. And he's done that, sadly. Uh, this is one of the downfalls, I think, that has really hurt him and why people come after him with such a vengeance when they say, why are people so inflamed? Like Trump is one of those characters. You either love him or you hate him. It's not a lot of middle ground there, basically. And a lot of that is because of the personality. Uh, and it, it, timing is everything in life. Timing is everything. And as you point out so perfectly, sometimes there's times to you know act like a jackass, other times not so much. Um, in the film, uh, you talk about now, uh, okay, uh, the, the expanding bureau of the FBI, uh, the incoming on the Patriot Act, Bush. Uh, again, I've never been a fan of Bush politics, frankly. Um, he could be chief negotiated for the Uniparty, in fact, as far as I can see. Um, you say in the film it used to be Islamic terrorism, but that threat kind of dissipated. I, one of your guys says that. Uh, i trying to remember which one there. but uh, And then they talk about moving to domestic extremism. The demand for domestic terrorism vastly outstrips the supply. That was an interesting quote that somebody said. Uh, does everybody realize uh, 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 how do we, you know, the left, this uh, this uh, threat, this domestic terrorism threat? Like I got people I know on the left. How do we wake them up? How do we? I mean, do you know? I always referenced in the past many years. Do we wait until the boots are coming down the neighborhood street before you wake the hell up and realize that the threat is your threat as well? Our friends on the left, because we can't do this all as America first. We need some of these other cats on the other side to, to secure this. For sure, for sure. And I think that um, part of the danger is that when a police state gets too far gone, when it um, the jaws of the police state slam shut, so to speak, it's then too late because then you are in a position where your only option is to get out of there, to run, to, to leave, to take your family, uh, get out yourself, get your money out. I mean, this was the position of the Jews in Germany um, in the early 30s. And this is long before the Holocaust. This is when they realized that they were being targeted and there was a there was a police state in Germany vis-a-vis -vis the Jews, that's for sure. Um, now, with regard to the left, uh, those are the guys who are actually helping to build the police state, some of them more consciously than others. And I think that the only way that they are going to join the team mm -hmm. is if their own rights are threatened. If they had the slightest inkling that the FBI, think of these journalists, if they had a doubt that the FBI may come smashing through their door, they would become relentlessly anti-FBI. Yeah. They don't have that fear. 
if they had the fear that they would be censored, they'd be thrown off uh, Twitter, they'd be thrown off these other platforms, they would become raging free speech defenders. Right. But they didn't have that fear. So I think it is the job of Republicans, ironically enough, to introduce some of that fear to them, because only then are they going to re recognize that this is a common threat. And only then are they going to realize that, listen, it, we have to be for free speech in principle, because after all, it could even happen to us. As long as you don't think it can happen to you, you're going to perfectly be happy to witness and even enjoy tyranny being imposed on others. Yeah, and, and these threats are real, and like the COVID lockdowns, and as referenced on the movie, you can't go to church on Sunday. Uh, but again, many Republicans, Dinesh, on the other side of the aisle embraced these uh, these reforms, these, these moments of uh, sacrifice uh, that people had to uh, uh, deal with. Uh, and it, so it really became more than just the left. It was also the right uh, you know, that instilled, uh, put all this out there and instilled these uh, policies on the people. Um, and, you know, the leadership, as you mentioned, on the left, yeah, they. it's hard to get to those folks, but I'm talking about everyday people. We can't seem to wake those folks up either because of the indoctrination of the media campaign well, and all, you know? Americans are, by and large, as a people, they're defined by the trait of, of innocence. Uh, it's Huckleberry Finn, you know, and Mark Twain. And Huckleberry Finn is a really basically good-hearted guy. And he's always surprised when he sees bad things. He really sort of can't believe it. And that's the American attitude. Very different, by the way, than the attitude of Europe or the rest of the world. And America's never had a police state. So when people think of a police state in this country, they think of like a Stalin overcoat, a Hitler mustache. Right. It's hard for them to recognize it happening here. And by and large, I, you know, I have the view that if un until the police state comes for you and comes smashing through your door and you hear a helicopter above your lawn, you sort of can't really believe it's happening. So what I can do, I can't, you know, I, I don't want the FBI to come visit you or anyone else um, uh, without cause. But this is why I make a movie, because I can make it real for you vicariously. I can show it to you in such a way that it goes so far beyond me telling you about it because you hear the helicopter, you see it. I've recreated this stuff with uh, such authenticity. We had some FBI consultants helping us make this movie. And I said, I wanna make this movie in such a way that if anyone in law enforcement or the DOJ or the DHS watches this film and they, sees it, they see an FBI raid, I want them to, ever, to all say to themselves and say out loud, that's exactly how that would have gone down. So we are bringing the police state, not just the, the talk about it, but the, the, the feeling of it, the experience of it as close as possible to people to wake them up. Yeah. Do you think we do you think we do wake up before that you just described moments ago about that moment, left and right, uh, when it's a reality, the police state in this country? And this film does do a very striking job. It does a job with the FBI banging through doors, uh, threatening people, uh, it, it just totally out of control when none of it was warranted. It's not like anybody, like there was some threat going on at the moment, but they have this very aggressive nature that they, it's like, I don't know, it's like they're, well, it's power, it's power, Dinesh. They're in, they feel empowered and they feel like, well, they carry the guns because they do. But, you know, all of that said, there are some very striking scenes on there, but do you, do we get to a point where this you know this police state do are we able to cut it off at the past do you think about I, I see why you're doing the film but or do you have a sense or a fear in you that 
we're so far down the road right now that it's it's a long draw to get back here again. No, I, I think, number one, the Republicans in the House can defund a lot of the police state right now. I wanted to ask you that. Hold on. I wanted to ask you that. One of my pet peeves is to fund the DOJ and to fund even our borders, Homeland Security. Why haven't they done that? Why don't this come up more? Because the because the GOP is currently divided pretty much right down the middle between I'm going to call it two kinds of conservative. One type of conservative is the philosophical conservative. Um, this is more the MAGA conservative today. The other type of conservative is the operational conservative. So an operational conservative says things like this: Well, let's not move too fast. Well, let's not rock the boat. Well, this needs to have a second look. So these are the Republicans, and it's not that they aren't conservative. They're just conservative in the sluggish, I don't want to take action unless forced to do it. They're operational or pragmatic type of conservatives. And we don't have, we haven't convinced the majority of them yet. So I agree, this is an important constituency for this film because, I mean, I, I share the conservatism of both wings of the Republican Party. But I think that if they saw a lot of what's happening in the film, they would be like, wow, there's too much of this kind of stuff happening in America. We need to be a little bit more aggressive in bringing it to a halt. And Dinesh, don't some of those people also, to, really, as you just spell it out there, don't you think some of them take our country for granted, these people on that fence sort of thing that just like push it off, like, yeah, we'll get to it, or like business as usual. Don't I get the sense that a lot of people just take our country for granted. They always think America is going to stand there. They always think Lady Liberty will be there. But is that part of it, you think? The country has had a kind of a blessed history. We never had, for example, World War I or World War II uh, on, on these shores. And so as a result, I think people have a certain kind of a complacency about it. Yes, I agree. And I think it takes a lot for them to see that we're really not living in the America that you and I grew up in or that I came to as a teenager um, in 1978. That America doesn't really exist anymore. There are certain elements of it that we can see, uh, but we're not living in that America. You know, there's, um, I don't know if you've seen the film, um, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, but it begins with Jimmy Stewart and he's the small town lawyer and he's a very optimistic guy. Things really can't go wrong. Yeah, there are some bad guys out there, but that's why we have a sheriff. And so he's not going to go get a gun because really he's got some law books and he'll look for the precedent and he'll file a complaint. Now, if you're in a small lawful town where you got a good sheriff's department, that's okay. That is the right way to think. But if you go out west in a covered wagon and you establish a homestead and now you have outlaws and gunslingers surrounding your ranch, and they want to burn your homestead and rape your wife and kill your kids. And then you say, I'm not going to do anything about this. I'm going to turn to my law books and find some legal precedents. I wouldn't even know what to say to you because you have no grasp of the situation that you find yourself in. So really, if my goal in this film, Police State, is to show people that that's the landscape we're living in now. And the idea that the politics is business as usual, this is the normal America of 50 years ago, that is just nonsensical. Kind of wake up and smell the coffee. To, yeah, you have become an incredible filmmaker. It's it's striking to me now just thinking about the film here and your work. I mean, you've you've become an incredible filmmaker and have the 
the capacity to capture the moment, like I said when we started here, in a timely fashion, that you it can't always be predicted that it would get this bad. But yet, and I, and I sense this police state every day. It's, it's my fears. It's why I do what I do. And the empowerment of the bureaucratic state. And that key question we started with early on, uh, Dinesh, I want to let folks forget that. How did we give this the state this kind of power? This is exactly what our framers tried to prevent. That's why they decentralized government and left the power at the state level in our 10th Amendment. All of that is ignored today. The president, uh, any president, left and right, act like kings. I mean, the system is out of control. It's off balance entirely. They're not legislating. They're not doing the proper budgets. Everything is screwed up backwards here, uh, really is what it is. Listen, I want to give a shout out too. I know Dan Bongino uh, did some collaboration with you here, which is awesome. But I also want to give a shout out to uh, to Debbie D'Souza. She was also part of this, your wife. And uh, we got to give some credit to Debbie as well. Yeah. Well, it's she's become increasingly indispensable uh, to these films. Um, you know, she's uh, got a very good eye. Uh, film is a visual medium. And my partner and friend Bruce Cooley and also Debbie are very good uh, visually. I'm a little bit stronger on the intellectual side, on the framing of the storyline. And of course, I do a lot of the, the marketing and, and talking about the film. Uh, but uh, it's a team of us that puts this stuff together. We've got a guy named Brian Miller. He does our music. And music is very important in the film. It's essentially the emotional score of the film. It tells you how to feel as you're watching certain things on the screen. So we're a small team of about six or seven of us. But each of us brings a lot to the table. And, uh, you know, I'm very pleased with the the little gang we've put together that makes these movies. Yeah, absolutely. And and for listeners who don't know, Debbie uh, understands uh, this uh, paradigm all too well. Uh, Having uh, come from Venezuela herself, correct, uh, Dinesh? Exactly. I mean, she yeah. has seen yeah. um, this happen in Venezuela and she... Um, she has seen the the parallels between what's happening in Venezuela, which has become a full-fledged police state. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have free elections anymore. It certainly doesn't have any basic rights anymore. And it once did. You know, there are some countries, Russia, for example, didn't have any rights under the Tsar. Then they didn't have any rights under the Bolsheviks. They don't have too many rights now under Putin. So this is a society, Russia, that has essentially experienced tyranny for a long time. But Venezuela was a free country. It had two independent parties. There was a center-left party, a center-right party. And all of that was essentially pushed away when Hugo Chavez and his gang came into power. They were actually elected democratically the first time. But after that, they figured out a way to cheat. And now elections are a sham, almost a, a show. And uh, they have turned that country into a police state. I think what uh, think of what Dinesh just shares there with uh, with Venezuela and, and Chavez and the le the legal part that initially the election and then went bad and think of Obama, Biden, Hillary Clinton and all that has happened in these elections and you can draw some very sad uh, parallels there. Uh, you know, I talked a couple of years back, uh, Debbie and I, um, on her past in Venezuela. She's uh, so well-spoken. And uh, I, I think I'll, we'll circle back around and get her on on this film as well. I think she'd be a great spokesperson for this, I'm certain. Let me tell folks, Dinesh, as well, the website, policestatefilm.net. Policestatefilm.net. Now, 
on AmericaOutloud.news, uh, you'll see uh, there'll be some uh, you'll see the images there for the police state film. Uh, you can click those and the links will put you right in to the website. So you don't even have to remember, but you'll see it all there, uh, both on mobile and on desktop. We certainly support this. And by the way, um, there's a uh, premiere, the, a virtual premiere of the film on Friday, October 27th, as you're listening to this on broadcast on the 25th, friends. But then it will also go, I think there'll be a big um, a DVD market and all of that and uh, film. Uh, is that correct, uh, Dinesh? Yeah, we'll have later streaming and DVD. But the cool thing about this virtual premiere, if I can talk about that for a moment, please, we do it out of a magnificent studio in Las Vegas. And it's sort of like the Oscars. I mean, we have uh, 4G Out of Blow, the rapper, who does the closing song called Police State Survivor. Now, you don't see him in the movie. His, you just hear his voice with the credits. But he's going to perform live and open the evening. Then we have the full screening of the film. Then a live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me. And it's mm. all for the price of a movie ticket. So the cool thing about this virtual premiere is you can have your family. I mean, think about it. Four of you can watch um the film and it's all for the price of a single movie ticket it's a wonderful but the tickets are from the website that's the only place to get them you just go to policestatefilm.net you'll see the words virtual premiere click on that buy the tickets you're good to go for friday and essentially you watch from home and you watch online and what time is it a particular time or any time it's going to start no it's a live event and it begins right. at okay. 8 p.m eastern 8 Okay, How, a couple hours or for the whole thing? An hour and a half? The whole thing will probably be three hours. The movie is an wow. hour and 45 minutes. So okay. when you add the other elements and it's going to be basically a kind of really nice 8 to 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. event. Yeah, I'm so glad you said all the rest of that. I had no idea of that, but uh, that is really cool. And this is all, I looked uh, on the site and I was like, it's 20 bucks. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, it's like- It's 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah so it's I mean, a really good deal. By the way, with 2,000 meals last year, we had 80,000 people watching live. And it's just an amazing experience. Once you see the studio, it's has to be seen to be believed. It's almost like 80,000 people are calling in on a Zoom call. There's a massive 360 degree screen. Uh, the filming, the quality of the filming is awesome. Uh, and then Dan Bongino and I will be able to talk afterwards. So it's kind of a, it's not only the experience of the film, but the experience of some discussion to follow the film, which of course we don't normally do when you're in the theater or when you buy a DVD, you don't get that aspect of it. So it's a really good deal the virtual premiere and police state film.net is how you get your ticket yeah fantastic um uh, i will have mine friends i hope you'll get there as well i mean how can you not and uh, experience this whole thing i mean it's, it's terrific uh dinesh you do it every time i mean good luck uh, this a uh, lot of work but you, you put it out there and congratulations on uh, this this amazing endeavor sir thank you so much Okay, friends, that is policestatefilm.net uh, is how you get there and get the tickets and uh, please uh, get involved there for the uh, 27th and then support this work. Takes a lot of money, time, effort to do these kinds of things, believe me. Uh, but let's get behind uh, Dinesh and uh, support this. Uh, so we're going to take a quick pause and we'll return in just a moment with more of the broadcast. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It works. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Safe to say the reason we got this far as a nation, as a people, is because our framers, they, our founders, uh, they put all the apparatus in place uh, for this to work. And uh, we don't always follow those tools the way they should be followed. Uh, they could not have foresaw some of the the ways that we've totally lost, we've allowed them to run rampant on us. So we've lost control, which is why that serious question I kept hopping back to with Dinesh D'Souza, uh, as far as uh, 
how did we give the state this kind of power? That's a profound question. Why have we done that? A lot of times it's in the uh, the moment of a crisis or what have you. We entrust them to do, like you said, even the health organizations we thought would do the right thing when it mattered, but they did not. So the more power, you know, you know that you give uh, this uh, 900-pound gorilla up there in D.C., um, the more this thing is going to collapse. That's exactly what our founders tried to prevent with the decentralization of government and the multi-branches and the Tenth Amendment and the powers to the state. Yet we are not holding uh, the, uh, the the players up there in D.C. responsible and accountable, to be sure. Same thing with executive orders. Just just published a piece earlier from Paul Engel, which points out, you know, uh, these uh, uh, the executive orders or, or sovereign edicts. Um, the, the president's not a king. Uh, yet we tend to treat that office that way, both left and right. So it's not just a one party conversation. It's it's the way we look at this thing as as a whole. Maybe that's part of the reason that too many people, they there's sort of a, I don't know, some sort of a love affair people have with uh, the royalty out of England. You know, they always captures America's uh, intentions. And of course, George Washington, uh, he was offered to be a king. He didn't want any part of that. That's There's a whole history behind uh, this and how we got to this point. Problem is now we are, uh, we're, we're losing control, which is why Dinesh does this film. Now, here's an interesting message he puts out, by the way, after, uh, in some of his messaging. And I want to read it to you. It's uh, very interesting. He says, police state is a movie that I never wanted to make because I never wanted America to get to a point where a movie like this needed to be made. I feel like the animal that alerts the herd to approach in danger so we can take precautionary steps before it's too late. I question him on that. Is it too late? Uh, before we turn back, or how deep do we get into this before people start to push back both the left and the right? That's the reason I asked that question. Some people would say we're pretty far down the road. When you consider the bureaucratic state and the politicizing of all these agencies and the size of them, uh, my fellow Americans, it is a daunting task uh, to put this all back into the bottle, to be sure. And yet that is that is the, the uh, uh, well, it's what's got to be done. It should be our goal the plan here. It's 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 what's got to be tackled. We got to tackle that problem if we're going to get over this hurdle and fix what's got to be done. Which is part of what Trump went into the into the uh, office to do when, when he drained the swamp moments. But you know that's not just a talking point. However, it should not be just a talking point. Uh, and of course, as Dinesh points out, we don't have uh, we don't have the um, uh, the. The, the hand, I guess we don't have the uh, partnership, be a good word as well, with the fourth estate. The media in our country has uh, clearly let us down, which is where a lot of this happens from, this constant drip, 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 drip of indoctrination to the American public, you know, to be sure. I uh, shared uh, just yesterday with you this uh, fascinating email, and we get so many of them in. This was uh, from a listener. I did a whole program on this because I, it really hit me. I thought it was profound. Uh, 
and um, from Cindy. And uh, just to play back a point she made in there, and to just people are seeing what's going on, and they're fearful. Is my point? So, you know, people are waking up. The, the question is, are they waking up fast enough, and are they waking up on the left side of the aisle? And as Dinesh and I talked about, you know, the domestic extremism, the domestic terrorism is the America first people, the people who are trying to get back to uh, our, our salvation as a nation, uh, liberty and justice. We are the enemy, whatever you want to call it. We are the enemy uh, putting our nation first. That's become the extremism. It's just how screwed up things are in our country. They're now branded as domestic terrorists. No question. And your Department of Justice and all the apparatus will come after you with the full force of the United States government. And this is a dire warning and a, a major concern, uh, my fellow Americans, to be sure. This email from Cindy, let me read this uh, to you again. She says, uh, uh, Malcolm said, until we speak the truth about the United States, the lies, the corruption and the destruction of many countries, we will never be the country our founders created. I believe if we knew all of our government's actions, we would have a different understanding of the hate toward the United States. We talk about the college uprisings and we're shocked. Why? Our government controls our institutions, the GOP and the Democrats. Shame on the people we're placing any trust in our government. We let them take our freedoms and we never fought to gain any back. Boy, is that true? She says, today's narrative is the same as 9-11. And again, we will give up more of our freedoms because we still trust. Nothing good will come until a leader stands and tells the lies of many to cleanse this nation. Shame on them all. <laughs> wow. And that's, uh, that message in an email struck me very clearly. And, uh, you know, feel free to email us at the network and the platform. And many of you do anyways. You go up to the nav bar, hit contact, but or just use this email address, liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. And you can actually forward any of the hosts you can write into and we they will get the messages and be able to respond on air as well. And we love that relationship we're able to have uh, with uh, with our audience and with our family, the America Out Loud family. And uh, so we do a lot of Q&As and we address a lot of this stuff on air. Um, but that message, you can see why that was profound. I did a whole program on that. You are, I invite you to go listen to and that program, uh, that episode of The Voice of a Nation, uh, just went live, in fact, earlier. So it's entitled, It's Time to Cleanse the Nation, uh, Listener Cindy. And so you'll see that it was an unusual title. I want to make sure we got her name in there as a listener. You know, profound statements like this, you know, you never know where they come from. This, In this case, it came from Cindy that was ringing the, the warning bell, trying to warn Americans, the same way Dinesh is doing with this film of police states, the same way. Uh, and we can all do our part is the bigger point I make here. Uh, you may not be ready or able to do a full documentary film or do a, fil a film of any kind, but you surely can do things like Cindy is doing as well and warn other Americans of the incoming danger 
this is something we have to do as a people to wake up other folks who probably are not paying attention. Dinesh referenced the fact that, hey, a lot of these people are in leadership positions. They're in media positions, social media positions, powerful uh, points. And they don't see this yet, many of them, most of them, as a threat to themselves. And so they're willing to gamble based on their quick moment of power or prestige, whatever it may be, my fellow Americans. Yet, clearly, the lights will come on at some time. And as I always reference to you, many people, it's going to be, sadly, and I hope we never get there. But when they hear the boots walking down the street in their neighborhoods, and then it becomes too late for this nation. We are at a crossroads. We are at an amazing moment in American history. I continue to tell you and have been for many years, we are living through a very historical uh, chapter, be the way to say it, of America. And we are here. We're alive. We were born. We were born, if you're here, potentially you were born in the greatest country the world has ever known, or you immigrated here, uh, hopefully legally, and are part of the American dream and the American experiment. And so, you know, there's something to glean from all this and take from this as a people. But we cannot take this gem for granted. Too many people do. And hence, we put the power into government who has, as you see currently, has let us down with these open borders, has let us down with letting the Fed run wild with our economic uh, uh, plight here of what's taking place with horrible inflation and things people can't buy houses, cars, things like this. All of this is a factor. And this is because of the power uh, that has been given to the bureaucratic state. They must be stopped. They must be stopped cold. And the only bunny that can stop them is we the people. That is it. We the people giveth the power. We the people can taketh the power away. Too many Americans forget that this power is temporary and these people are representatives of we the people and they work and earn their paycheck from we the people. That's where it all comes from. That's what makes this so powerful and so unique than other countries that are run by dictators and people of sorts that have uh, uh, oppressed the people. And we see that all over the world. We see it constantly. I mean, we're, that's why this is so unique in America. We're in a fight not just for our survival. We're in a fight for the world's survival. Because imagine... Well, just think even in current terms right now, if America was not here standing at this moment, what would have happened? You Think about this now. Just the same scenario right now in the Middle East. Well, we would not have been able to send the battleships out there. We would not have been able to send our military forces. No, no matter what it is, we would not have been able to send whatever kind of a message, some would argue weak, but whatever that message is to these jihadists, in this particular case, the enemy, and uh, th and in which case, they would have already moved on Israel and they would have attempted to take Israel down and, and they're still trying to take it down. But the only thing standing in the way is we the people. 
We the people and the power of this nation. And I'm often reminded that has saved the world time and time again. I just think it's important that we do not lose sight of this, this, this moment that I talk about and historically looking over the last century of America and Americans. Oh man, the power of we the people, the power of a free people. Many millions willing to sacrifice it all at a moment's notice for the safety and security of our nation, for liberty and justice for all, for our constitutional values, uh, for everything that America stands for. That should give us uh, all a jump in our steps to know this, which is why I always say we are all blessed to be living in this amazing, amazing, remarkable nation, truly. And too many take the nation for granted. Please stop taking the United States of America for granted, please. Let's all stop taking the majesty of our nation for granted. And let's work together Let's pull more people in to have a conversation. Pull more Democrats and independents and moderates in for a conversation. And let's bridge the gap, but fight for our salvation and fight. And there are some things that we cannot compromise on. Surely, we're, we're just not willing to compromise on our freedoms, our values, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution. We're not willing to compromise. We're not willing to pack the Supreme Court. We're not willing to do these things. There are some things that are sacred, and that's the values that make America strong and proud as a nation. And it's why we are who we are. And I think that's why we've been gifted these values and this moment from God Almighty. And as a Judeo-Christian nation, it is one that uh, it's we could all be proud, should be incredibly proud of this nation. But friends, we must fight for it always. We cannot take it for granted. Please do your part and help us get these messages out. Help us get involved in these movements and these ideas. Help us spread the truth, the out loud truth from sea to shine and sea. Let's make this everything it can be. And you know, my my hope, my prayer, my, my ultimate goal for our nation right now as we talk and, and and I mean this as sincerely as I can mean it, is that we elect the right leader, whoever that may be, that this nation will decide, who will lead it, that we elect them in 2024, that they take office in 2025. And my fellow Americans, that in 2026, in July 4th, we may all raise a glass of champagne and in celebration of our 250 years as a nation, as a people. I pray for that moment and that day. And I, I, I pray that, that so much goes right between now and then, and that we can turn the corner again as that shining city on a hill, as that optimistic nation, as restoring the American dream and really proudly boasting about American 
exceptionalism. Thank you for joining me here on The Mission. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.